We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Pods. Today's show is part two of my Wolves season preview here with Britt Robson. Uh, we're splitting this preview up into three parts. So if you're looking for our thoughts on the guards, that was in part one. We did D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly, Jordan McLaughlin, Leandro Balmaro, Jalen Noel, and we almost talked about McKinley Wright. Um, so that's one episode back in your feed. And on today's show, we're going to be doing the wings which I've decided are Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Malik Beasley, Torian Prince, and Jake Lehman. Before we get into that, Britt, do you have any problem with any of those five players being labeled as wings? Ant, uh, McDaniels, Beasley, Prince. Prince, Prince. is, uh, uh, I would not say I have a problem with that because I do think that, um, the, you know, you're the one that's fixated on the power forward position as being a a, a, a a morass of weirdness, and I can't really disagree with that. And as a result, who you choose That's as- kind of my general view of the Timberwolves. <laughs> who, you, who you judge to be a quote-unquote big, which means right. somebody who has kind of rim protection responsibility versus a wing, which is somebody who has perimeter mm-hmm. responsibility that isn't strictly a stretch four- um, that's where I would say Prince Prince is really a straddle there. When I asked Finch directly last night where he envisioned Prince, he said, where he's been all preseason between a three and a four. So um, right. is he a wing? Yes. Is he a big? Yeah, a little less so, but yes. Yeah, I think the that's the fair one for a point of contention. Jaden McDaniels, maybe, because we definitely had part of this. I'm putting him in the wings here. We definitely had part of the summer. That's, you know, if at the very least, it's wishful thinking. And right. I, I I wishfully think it. So I'm You wishfully I'm think he can be a power four. No, I wishfully think he's a three. He's he's in the wings, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, that's what I mean. Yeah, right. that's that's a three. It's just a yeah, it's just a place where so people So I wishfully uh, I wishfully don't mind talking about him here, even though he <laughs> may wind up being right. a big in terms of minutes. I don't but think he will. says you are who you guard and you know, that means he's a one through five. Well, I, okay. So I think this is a good way to, to view it is clean in the glass. They're tracking data. To That's who you, and by the way, for those who don't know the website, that is the breakdown here. The bigs, wings, guards is their configuration. Yes, true. And they also do go by position as well. 
Oh, do they? Yeah, they have like general. Have they started to do that? I didn't. Yeah, I if you maybe click on positions. Been there in a while. Yeah, but but they have both. Okay, D- different ways to do it. But they have last season that Jaden McDaniels played fifty eight percent of his minutes at small forward, thirty eight percent of his minutes at power forward, and four percent of his minutes at shooting guard. I think that's probably true. I think that is probably true too. I I think it will skew a little more for this year, unfortunately. Well, another person left off this wings list that people will probably have some problem with Kogi. is Josh Kogi. But according to Cleaning the Glass, he had 60% of his minutes at power forward and 40% of his minutes at small forward last season. Mm-hmm. And and that that's my view. Of I, I was saving the Okogi argument for when we talk about it. Right. This. I just, I, as, yeah. as we, it is, it is all a morass and it's not something that you, I, or anybody should get all too caught up on right. what position these guys do play. I just wanted to say that actually when I sent you this maybe a week ago or something, right? I put McDaniels in the bigs part and I have since changed him mm-hmm. in my did I, analysis. Did I have an opinion? I think I made one. I think, I, well, I think you well, literally just argued the opposite both times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I said that. Uh, oh, I wanted McDaniels to be a big? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and okay. now you want it the other way. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I, I, I am... Uh, it's the difference between wishful thinking and reality, right. in my view. And and we're, we've seen him, I think we've seen him play a lot more. I guarded James Harden last night. You he know. played well last night. He did. He did, which is really his first his first good game. First but, good defensive game, mm-hmm. really good defensive game. Uh, offensively, he was terrible first two games. Let's start with him. Let's skip over Ant right. and then go, yeah. and then, right. and then go with McDaniels. Where, where are you at in your head? Not specific to position. Concerned. Okay. Uh, he's very young, and he had a great breakout year, in my opinion, last year, his rookie season. Way exceeded expectations um, to the point where I stupidly said I'd take him over Ant long-term in the middle of last year. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I always like to bring up my mistakes. Um uh, it was a mistake because Ann is the better prospect. But McDaniels, my my point back then was that McDaniels has a skill that we know mm-hmm. will be there, and that is defense. Um, he is going to be a quality defender. Um, my concern is that they want desperately to play him with Carl Anthony Towns and they want it to be a four five situation and it is not Who's going that? to work. Well, whoever is in control of the brass, I mean, it used to be I thought it was a Roses thing, and then I thought it was a Finch thing, then I thought it was a Finch thing, and I imagine now it's a Finch and Gupta thing. Yeah, but, but I I do think that they need a plan B. Because Cat and McDaniels are both, um, I'll be pretty surprised once if they go four or five. Well, no, I, I'm looking even more into the future. If we talk about post trade deadline or like at the trade deadline or next off season, if Gupta with Finch influence continues to pursue McDaniels as a legitimate power forward option. Yeah, I, I I think I will be surprised too, but it's still the fact of the matter is um they're pursuing a strategy that I no, think No, but they're not that they're not pursuing. It. They had nothing to do with that strategy. Well, their default strategy is a the wrong strategy decision. they were given. Wrong decision. Sure. Yeah, I know, but I would rather have Torian Prince at the 4 
than Jaden McDaniels. I'd much rather have Vando at the four, even though he plays better with Nas, next to Cat. Cat needs a bruiser. Right. McDaniels is many things, but bruiser is not one of right. them. So we're operating within reality. That that's fair of, of what the, the team is. I just yeah. I just think the team was put together by Gerson Rosas, not Sashin Gupta. Mm-hmm. And it is now Finch's job to coach the team as as he has here. And and so yeah, he's the reason he hasn't named a power forward is because he doesn't have one. He doesn't know what, what he should do there. And probably the reality of the situation is he's gonna have to play guess and check. And at times he's gonna play McDaniels at the four, probably against smaller teams. Maybe against Houston in the opener when they go like Tice, Christian Wood, You're right. front court. He'd be good like on that. Christian Wood. He would be, yeah. So it, I, I think it's he's who you guard. Get time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I, I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it continues to be the future of how this team will be built. I agree. With McDaniel's as a four, but I we think have an entire he, pivotal season to think sure. about it, unless they do something, either off the waiver wire right at the end of preseason or during the trading deadline or whatever. Right. Or Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think... I By think the it, way, do we want to make that brief detour? Sure. Okay. The word from Clutch, according to a couple of writers I respect, is that they want Ben Simmons not to be hidden on offense. They want him to be featured, mm-hmm. which is idiocy it's it's so absurd that's how i would use ben simmons huh that's i would feature him you would have him be like uh 35 percent usage guy i mean maybe not 35 no harden-esque no i would use him like Giannis. that would be the best example of how i would say i would use ben simmons okay well and i'm not saying he's as good as Giannis, but i think the the team i i've always thought would be what would happen if Giannis totally crumbled confidence wise sure I, and i don't know I, I don't know if it, that means it's going to work I, you can you could say co- his confidence crumbles even more if you put simmons in the dunker spot or if you have somebody else do all this and that i'm just saying if it were me i think he's going to be your best or one of your best players on your team and and you build around him that way i think washington would be a good spot for him where you surround him with shooters assuming bradley beal would be like right. out in that situation right. maybe Maybe because Ben Simmons is so money uh, is a full level below Giannis, or maybe two levels below Giannis. Right. Maybe that team has a pretty, pretty solid, yeah, pretty low, pretty low ceiling to it. I, I don't know. It's just, I don't think it's gonna work to you know to play him off ball, which is maybe a reason why he would never uh, work in Minnesota or be. I think it'd be tougher to to see. But I, I like see- him as a point forward. And 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 I don't think Giannis is a point forward. I think Giannis is more of a um, um, a. I feel like we're doing the thing where we're saying the same thing again, but arguing. Okay, well, I mean, I just think that Giannis doesn't get dimes very much. Sure, I'm more saying like the spreading out the floor around him, hammer and nail at at the rim over like that is that is your go to setup of your offense or. Sometimes, you know, Giannis is used as a screener too. Simmons would need to sometimes be used as a screener. That that's right. you know how I would use him. I don't know if that how that would fit into the Timberwolves context. I don't know how that would fit into a lot of teams' context. But a lot of teams around the league would be envious of that low ceiling that we just talked about. Oh, yeah, no. Simmons I, offense I, well, I'm to. a Simmons guy in terms of him as an overall player. Sure. 
I do not want Ben Simmons as the feature piece in my offense. I just don't want it. I don't think that that's a good idea because I think that when your mind has been stained to the degree his mind has been stained, it takes either a long time or never for I just that don't think we can know how much stain. I don't think, I think you or I know. How I much. think we can know that Ben Simmons is not going to be your Herculean score for quite some sure. time. I I agree with that. I just think I think stain and that he's broken and all those things. I don't. I don't think he's broken. I think he's stained. I think there's okay. a big difference. I think he will always right. be a great defender. Yeah. I think that um, if somebody has a stain on their forehead, that doesn't mean they can't run. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I think that the stain is pertaining to exactly where the stain is. Right. And for Simmons, the stain is getting big buckets. Sure. I don't think he can get big buckets for a while. What? What do you think it'll be like if the Timberwolves trade for Ben Simmons 13 games into the season the same way that the Sixers I'll be very discouraged. Yeah. I think bad timing. Here we go again. We have the excuses of why we need to run it back in 22-23 with this new exciting cast Mm -hmm. that's yet another shift. Um, We won't have McDaniels around. Who knows whether we'll have D'Lo or whoever else is in the churn. But... um, to me, it postpones rebuilding by a year if that's what they're going to do. So your my patience has run out. Yeah, your desire for that trade has gone down, and I think the likelihood that the Timberwolves will get Ben Simmons has gone up. Since since when you and John and I talked in Vegas, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, we each went around, we said like 6 7 8%, something like that. I don't, I'm not saying I know that a ton has happened on the Wolves front. I'm just saying how things have transpired in those two months since summer league, right? Philadelphia has lost more leverage in the situation, thus making the likelihood. Although some would argue that recent events have shown that they, their leverage has gotten a foothold at the very least. Um, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm also have totally checked out from the idea. Like for me and my analysis, I haven't talked about. It's better. It's better not to, not to engage the thought. Um, but I do like drug. as as good as Ben Simmons is defensively, and as much as I like him as a player. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, you know, your comp is Giannis. Mine, in some weird ways, is Rudy Gobert. You know, Rudy Gobert is effective until he isn't, and when he isn't, he kills your team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's Ben Simmons right now. If you rely on Ben Simmons to do certain things that he can't do, you're screwed. And that's a dicey thing when a guy is getting an enormous amount of money for a long time. Total risk. There's 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 totally risk to it. And I think, yeah, to the Timberwolves extent, I think that's fair why people have started to check out from it or or maybe just want it less. Maybe even be willing to give up less now than they they would have a month, two months. And ago. I'll reevaluate with an open mind if they get him. Cause I, like I said, I really like him as a player and mm-hmm. I have faith in Finch to, you know, to maximize whatever is there f- for him offensively. Um, I don't see how he fits with D'Lo. Right. First of all, that's just weird redundance. And I, I don't see how he fits with cat necessarily unless D'Lo is gone, mm-hmm. you know? And so, 
I still remain very intrigued by Simmons, Cat, and Ant as a threesome. That's a pretty interesting threesome sure. because he will help Cat more than he'll help anybody. Cat sure. will no longer have more than one person he has to worry about coming at him in the paint. Hmm. That's a great, great thing for Cat. Yeah. So, no, yeah. it's it, it, on it, defense. It's nothing but positive. Right. But um, the, you have that other part, and you also have the fact that. Um, He's been through a war this last three or four months, uh, you know. Yeah. And I, so to come to the Minnesota Timberwolves, if they start to lose immediately while he's there, he'll want out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I I guess I just it's the same. Imagine him with the Sacramento Kings. Same scenario according to like the right. – the, the I just gr- think there's so the, much we don't know. Big I picture just, view of the NBA. I just think there's so much we don't know and we so many things we jump to of – stains of brokenness of wanting right. to leave of this right. and that he's I, not broken it it's yeah he's not, just, admit that, he's sorry, not to put those ver- words stained. in your mouth but in other people's <laughs> mouths they've for sure said that and and i think we don't know that much about players i don't think we know right. that much right. about that's right what about they what, really think what's aside yeah. from Kyrie Irving. <laughs> that that has become abundantly <laughs> clear okay so back to uh, back to the wings. little 10 minute detour yeah. i told you you weren't going to get 30 minutes out of this yeah well good you know. 40 50 hey it's it's your house. Um, <laughs> McDaniels. So the biggest question I have with him is, where is this shooting going to be this season? I think... Hot and cold. Yeah. But isn't that kind of where that kind of shakes out and or how consistent it is? Isn't that going to be a pretty big indicator of whether he's truly a two-way player or not? I think he's still very young. Yeah. And so I think if you're counting on him... To be the poor man Scottie Pippen that Chris Finch imagines, you're jumping the gun. I I have faith that he will battle through what I think will be inevitable ups and downs. I would not have been so confident that those ups and downs were inevitable until this preseason where right. I did see him. I think I think he's struggling. Um, Do you? I think it's the too much expectations on him, quite frankly. Do you feel like you're overrating preseason at all? No, because um, it's a prove-it season, and there's a lot in flux. It isn't like a lot of preseasons I've seen with the Wolves. Everybody kind of knows what's going on, and they're just waiting for things to happen. Mm. Whole new offense, whole new defense, yeah. totally discombobulated rotation, new coach, prove-it season, if people are lagging in this preseason, they're stupid. Yeah, I, I actually, I just asked myself that question the other night, uh-huh. um, as I just felt like I was into my own analysis, putting right. a lot into it, and and you know, it was like, well, maybe like you turn the dial down a little bit on this or on that, but but I think for those reasons that you laid out specifically to to the change of scheme and and the they need to change and embrace. And a if lot. they don't start doing that now, which you said they have, right? Yeah, but uh, that's what yeah. I'm saying. The ones who can't, or the ones who haven't, or whatever, right. uh, are more unfairly docked than the guy who's just playing himself into shape to get ready for the opener, which is what a lot of teams do that are established teams. I mean, James Harden looked like a bus last night. <laughs> He's not going to be that way in a month, you know. It'll be a smaller bus, maybe as, a minivan. As this whole first of it, half of this podcast is now it is, is detour mode. I, I'm going to further detour it because I want because I want to actually 
wanted to bring this up with you, and I don't know. I don't think we'll do another pod before the season starts. All right. They play the first three games. They play Houston, who's going to suck. Uh-huh. And then the next two games are against the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Which, which I think are is a bad team. Well, and Zion's out. Yeah. Well, and Zion may be out for like five years. Yeah, but so I'm just going. Well, yeah. But like 290 pound guy with a bad foot. That's I mean, that's never happened before. I don't know what my even question is here, really, but like they, they could probably, be three and oh, is that what you're asking? Probably should be. Or those are all at home. More likely two and one. Yeah. More likely, but. But if they are three and oh, does that hype everybody up? Bahamas wasn't bullshit. <laughs> uh, it's, Bahamas wasn't a joke. That's the <laughs> oh, point. is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. He turned his head to me and he said, <laughs> Bahamas wasn't a joke. Um, I don't know. Miami wasn't a joke, whatever it is. Right. But no, I mean, uh, I, I could see it. And I think Bahamas was a joke. I thought Bahamas was a joke at the time. Well, if they start three, no, very bad joke. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I guess this is like, Ooh, I'm right. Uh, if they start We're three, and oh, if they start three, and oh, this time, that will mean more to me because they'll have done it in the midst of change. Um, not only the front office, which I, I right. think is overrated, right. what that change, how, how much impact that has, but they will have done it in the midst of a full on schematic change. Both. Ends. Agreed. Agreed. And, and, and the way, the way it's being played, the players changing, like ant has evolved since the last time a lot of these guys were, were all together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just that, I don't know. I, I do kind of expect them to start 3-0. But let me ask you a hypothetical question. What is better, an incompatible set system or a compatible unformed system? Compatible, obviously. Okay. And so last year, their sets were incompatible on defense, especially a little bit on offense. But the year before, they were incompatible. He's had a full training camp yeah. to begin to install a system that the coach, who I have faith in, believes is compatible with the current personnel, I think, with the exception of the power forward position. But even then, he's kind of the way he's playing the at the level thing is a, you know, a power forward concession to some extent. Right. No, so, yeah. So. My point is, is that I do think also seven of their first eight games are at home. I mean, they they need right. to have a good record because I tweeted this out the other day. Yeah, the January thing? They play three games at home in January the entire <laughs> month, the 5th, the 16th, and the 30th. Yeah. I mean, beat guys will see each other like we saw each other at the pandemic, for God's <laughs> sake. I mean, we won't. It, I know. People will show up. At the beginning, the Chris middle of the end of the month, it's home. like a landlord coming to get the rent, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's like, meanwhile, they play 12 games on the road all over the place in classic, you know, wolves right. in the middle of the country fashion. Right. So it's a rough month. And it's January. Traveling yeah. in January on planes, you have always have that worry that things going to go down, bad weather, delays. You get off the plane, it's fucking freezing. I mean, it's a bad mojo to travel in the winter. Look at this wing segue I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, planes let, and wings, baby. Planes and wings, man. All right, uh, let, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to actually talk about the wings on All the Timberwolves right. roster. Today's show is brought to you by TickPick. Timberwolves basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Timberwolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, 
P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. We obviously have the Timberwolves home opener coming up and the Wolves will be playing at Target Center. So you can use TickPick, they'll have you covered. Obviously, we'll have games all throughout the season. I'll be there at everyone. You can wave to me in the media section. So if you're looking for Timberwolves tickets, visit tickpick.com slash Moore, my full name today, and use the promo code Danemore to save $10 on your first order for Timberwolves tickets. That's tickpick.com slash Moore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right. I am back with Britt Robson of MinPost. We are talking about the wings, or we're going to start doing that now. Um, we talked about McDaniels. We did talk about McDaniels. That's we're one. not sure as a wing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Anthony Edwards, who we're going to start with, but also we'll get to Malik Beasley, Torian Prince, and Jake Lehman there. Britt, I'm just going to start with Anthony Edwards, and because this deserves to be noted and remembered in any context of talking about Anthony Edwards into this year is just how insanely good he was at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. It gets even better if you like cut it down for the like last 20 of the year, but even say the whole post all-star break, which is basically the whole Finch era, 24 points per game, 5.3 boards, 3.4 assists, 1.4 steals, 35% from three on heavy volume, 54% from two, 19 total shots per game. One of the highest usage players in the entire league over the end of the season, usage rate of 27.6. Big numbers, high usage, 
but also efficient. His true shooting percentage was 56.7%. Which was the glaring stat mm -hmm. pre-All-Star game. Yep. He had the, I mean, like Draymond Green, I always say, yeah. you know, only Draymond Green had a worse true shooting percentage. And, and people who might not really know true shooting percentage, which like I watch football, I don't know any of the advanced metrics, so it's, it's no shade. But true shooting percentage is is the best all-in-one metric for shooting. Right. That, it that weights we have a, the three-pointers heavily. It includes free throws, which are mm -hmm. smaller, one shot, one point, yep. but uh, also higher percentage, and then puts the twos, I think, in a nice place. A guy who hits a lot of mid-ranges uh, doesn't hurt his true shooting yep. percentage, but does not help it, really. Mm -hmm. If you hit threes and hit free throws, your true shooting percentage will be higher than most people imagine. Why reason why Cats is always so high, Steph Curry's is right. always so high. Right. It's a really good representation of... The, your efficiency as a shooter. And league average is about 57% at that, which is what Ant was doing over this time. On volume at 20 years old. High volume, exactly. Right. Players who had worse true shooting percentages in the NBA last year post-All-Star break. Again, big sample, 30-plus games. Right. James Harden, Colin Sexton, Chris Middleton, CJ McCollum, Paul George, Pascal Siakam, Julius Randle, Nikola Vucevic, John Morant, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis. He was playing, Anthony Edwards was playing at a near all-star level i agree at the at the end of last season he comes into this year two inches taller leaner and most surprisingly maybe seems to have taken steps within his basketball iq and his intellect on the floor mm -hmm. from just what we've gathered from talking to the coaches but also just from watching a few of these games right there is I don't want to call him a cerebral player yet, but more of a cerebral player that was we're seeing on the floor now. Yeah, he may be, you know, the oh, shucks guy may be sandbagging us, you know, which would be really fun if if he's just been charming the pants off us while he's really a nerd. It would be kind of fun. You know, I mean, I, I, I like the concept of that, even if it, it, it isn't true, and it probably isn't true. I mean, he's too authentic as an oh, shucks guy right. to really think he's not. But what I love is he... he he gave all the credit to his trainer for making him a better defender because the trainer saying, you got to pay attention to off-the-ball defense this year, right. which is what Finch said. But the guy he's been working out with all the time, you know, heard it and said, hey, let's let's <laughs> think about this. And then, you know, asked what he was doing. Well, I didn't really work out about it, but I thought about it, you know. And so here you go. He's a better off-ball guy. Um, really showed up in the first preseason game. I will say it very much trailed off. Yeah, I mean, it's... Part of it is... Um, I think there is the arrogant of, arrogance of magnificence when it comes to, to Ant. I think if he knows he can do it uh, and it's a preseason mm -hmm. game, uh, there's not quite the burning desire. I think at first game, he wanted to find out if he could do it. Uh, that may be optimistic, and I do think he will be embarrassed on defense more than uh, he wants to admit uh, this season because he's still not a good off-ball defender. But I think the biggest the thing is letting guys behind him. Yeah. Once they're behind him and he, they're no longer within his side eye view of him, he lose. He can. They will just cut behind him, and it will lead to break, bing bing right. layups. What he wasn't doing in the first game is he was playing in the gaps. He was playing attentively. 
seeing his man often in the corner, seeing the ball, reading the passing lanes, getting steals. Right. That's why it was so exciting. He was alert. Alert. And 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 I I think of Cat. People always say, you know, when Cat races down the floor in transition, people go, Well, see, he could do that. So he is going to be yeah. doing that now. No. No. He ever, he shows you just enough of that to say he can do that, but he doesn't really do that. So what I worry about with Ann, having just praised him for you know being nonchalant about his excellence already, is that he may be a guy who once he says he can do it, say all right, I'm fine with it now. I won't <laughs> do it so much, and that will be too bad because, um, you know, it's interesting to me. I, I talked to. I talked to Adam Mares, who, who covers the Nuggets, and we we talked we talked a lot of things Wolves Nuggets. But one one thing at the end, I just started asking about the scheme and stuff, and he says what his experience is watching Denver do this much more aggressive defensive scheme is uh-huh. it works really well at the beginning of the year, and it works really well at the end of the year because at the beginning of the year they're you know they're ramped up, you have this right. energy to go do it. He's like it's such an exhausting thing to be to be rotating physically and mentally every year in the middle of the year they they just they get lazy with the you know the winter that january stretch we're talking about right right right. he goes it always falls apart like that but then at the end of the year they kind of lock back in and they're trying to make their push for the playoffs and in that sort of which weirdly seems to be somewhat similar to what you're describing yes you know with with ant so he might be a real culprit in that or Exactly. Someone who emboldens all of the Which is why he needs help. He needs a Pat Bev on the floor with him. He needs a McDaniels on the floor with him, perhaps. Um, And also, I would argue that's one of the reasons why depth is important this year. I like the idea of 12 guys. I know I said to Finch, I don't. 14? And he said, well, maybe. And then the very next day he said, you know, we have 10 and we want it maybe sometimes to get it to 11. Um, I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a good idea. I think the idea, first of all, I don't think there's a lot of difference between the seventh man and the 11th man. Yeah, but. And so as a result. You go first. Just go at it. Gab people get out there and execute the scheme in a hustling manner. um, And then just sort it out. Injuries will take care of themselves. Your rationale is for keeping guys fresh. And also. Keeping keeping guys engaged, that's what I'm talking about when we talk about that they can falter in the middle of the season because they don't like to do it, you know? I think if he tries to go 11 plus deep, you really limit your ability to get to your staggers well in Mm -hmm. your rotation Mm -hmm. of your... And I think it's going to be really critical to find that balance of... The obvious step one is one of Cat, D'Lo, and Ant on the floor at all times. That has to happen. But even beyond that, we talk about this all the time. Finch talks about this all the time of these two player pairings, Beasley and D'Lo, Cat and Vando, whatever it might be, finding those. The more players you add into your rotation, the more total substitutions you make. Right. I think the harder it gets to find that. So if they're if they're finding that balance. But it would be easier to avoid Beasley and D'Lo then, which I'm all for. Yeah, but you got to but I but you're also for playing them both. 25 plus minutes a game, right? I I mean, I don't know. I, I just will learn a lot more about the rotations. I have some concerns and maybe just caught up in the moment of watching the rotations be terrible in the preseason, which who cares? But it was terrible. Mm-hmm. It led to really big lapses in periods of time. We'll see. But I think that could have 
a real adverse impact on the team by having too many players in rotation. I think you got to pick it and choose. It definitely could, which is why most teams don't, don't do it. And if they do do it, they do hockey, which is not what I'm proposing. Right. Um, I am proposing a lot of shift and stagger, and I am proposing uh, sometimes it being maybe 11 guys, but a different 11. Um, I'm with that. Like, yeah. you're playing – you're playing Houston in the first game, right? That's right. a generally smaller team. Right. So maybe your 10 includes J-Mac in that game. But then your next two games are, and they're talking very loosely, but your next two games are against New Orleans. So maybe he's out then and a co- you know, a Kogi's in or, right. or more right. or, or, right. or something, something along, uh, along those lines. But constantly trying to get to 11 or scraping to get some energy from, oh, we're going to put Layman in now. Like, the, like. I don't know. I, I think that could be dangerous. No, I agree. Uh, I do think, as always, we always, everybody says, well, injuries, and then they forget about it. But injuries are yeah. a great determinant of who gets minutes. Oh, and best. Pat Bev is injury prone. Delo and Cat have both proven to be injury prone in recent years. Um, the way Vando and Okogi play, I can't imagine them shooting up every game. Ant seems like a lock for every game for whatever reason. Right. Uh, but I do think um, there are two types of depth, the kind of depth I was talking about a minute ago, which you chafed at, and somewhat legitimately so, is having 14 healthy guys and using most of them, uh, or like 12 of them or 11 of them. Um, and then there's the depth of knowing that next man up is not a stooge. You know, next man up turns out to be somebody who's a legit eighth man or ninth man, yeah. even though they're 12th mm-hmm. in the roster. You know, so. I think, one, well, actually, I'm going to save it for the bigs part of the, our conversation. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so let's keep going Beasley. with Ant. You want to, are we done with Ant? Well, here's what I'll say about Ant. Yeah. I'm worried about his shot selection right now. Hmm. He's shooting way too many threes and not going to the hole. That, I really hope that doesn't continue. Uh, could that be? He was seven of fourteen uh, from two last night, and one for eight, eight from three, or something ridiculous. I mean, it's not not that this is logical or anything, right? I'm not ruling out Ant doing a. I'm taking it all easy on offense, so as to straight pop at the beginning of the year and be. Well, I will be happy if that happens. Uh, I do think that. Houdini. Um, huh? Houdini. Yeah. Well, fine. Uh, I will tell you right now, if Ant drops a three in the first two minutes of the game, he will use 40% of his shots from distance at minimum. Mm. And that's a problem. Yeah. Well, I, if the first part is true, that, yeah, that is a problem. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have a good idea of what, it, I don't think the preseason helped me have a better idea of what Ant is outside of the fact I saw two things from Ant and preseason that stood out to me. One, physically standing next to him. He's bigger. He's That's 100% he's bigger. Yes. That's not even. Yep. And yeah. leaner. Yeah. Which is, it was, Yeah, I thought they were blowing, blowing smoke with that stuff. And, I and he can it. still get to the rim. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think bigger and leaner makes for a better three-point shooter, quite frankly. It certainly hasn't thus far. Mm-hmm. And so what, I chafe at, let's face it, the trend is in the NBA, as players get older, 
their shot selection moves further and further away from the basket. You've got an elite finisher and a mediocre to perhaps someday pretty good three-point shooter. You may be able to get the same true shooting percentage from distance that you're getting in the paint, but it will not have nearly the same impact on the team and on your own efficiency. When Ant finishes at the rim and forces foul shots, gets the team in a penalty, um, and opens up it's the inverse better. drive and kick Ant to Cat, mm -hmm. uh, inverse drive and kick Ant to D'Lo, um, McDaniels in the corner. Ant can be a four-assist guy, and three of those dimes can be threes if he plays smart. And that's what I I haven't seen that this preseason at all, and it bothers me. But no, I, I think I think that's fair. I think he strikes me as one of those guys who might not just for himself. I know. No, I agree. Reason. He's got I, his own agenda, and yeah. the rest of us can go kick rocks, as he said. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated to see him play. I'm fascinated to see if he is saving something to be more assertive and more aggressive how that synergizes with D'Lo mm -hmm. and D'Lo's quest for buckets this year and all right. those sorts. I mean, it is going to be that he's going to be the biggest part of the year. Cat obviously is the best player, but is weirdly like there's not that much like vibration in, in what, you know, he, he can or can't do. There's some, which we'll talk about, but who is Ant? Who is second year Ant? I don't know the answer to that yet. Right. And, and that'll be, it'll be telling to how good, this team really is. It's a high floor, but an incredibly high ceiling. That's the thing. I mean, if he makes his floor, he'll just be pretty good. If he makes his floor, he'll just be pretty good. But if he hits 70% of his ceiling, people are going to be raving. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he makes 90% of his ceiling, then he may make the all-star team. The guy has a phenomenal ceiling. Mm -hmm. And so I personally don't think he'll make even 70% of a ceiling, because that's a huge ceiling. That's a lot to ask of somebody who's 20 years old. But if it all comes together early, watch out. I'm going to take the last line, and I'm not going to let you respond to it. All right. It. I think <laughs> one concern I have about Ant and his shot selection is that shooting jumpers is easier, and getting to the rim is harder. And... And dealing with that as a player, you know, it takes some oomph to it. And I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what that is as he grows. Malik Beasley. Um, let's talk about him. He's kind of a weird sort of buried player um, in all of this. There's obviously been talk. Well, I, he's had a bizarre offseason. He was in jail for a long time. He's obviously not in as good of shape as he was. But it is really important to note that he had an insanely good shooting year last year. And thank God he made some shots last night. Yeah. I mean, uh, this will be the night before last. Yeah, the, the final game. But, but essentially, he was knocking down Jays, and then he had that, uh, that the block? insane block. <laughs> it's like... But that's Malik on defense, man. I've said Malik, good defense to Malik is steals and blocks. is possession enders. Right. And he's not, that's, he's not that bad at those things. He gets deflections. I've never seen him block a shot like that, though. Yeah. I mean, I think he's made some blocks on the perimeter with guys face up. But yeah, I don't know, man. A chase a down a angle block that he got it at the pinnacle, too. I mean, that was fun. 
but I don't expect to see it again. Uh, you know, and and as somebody who was pro Malik and still, to, you know, I I think anybody who can just make shots with his release and especially the position he can get on the run into the corner, that's such a rare skill. You so don't good. see many NBA players on the run twist and hit corner threes without going out of bounds. Um, it's insane. It's 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 probably my favorite Wolves workout I've ever watched live hmm. of just one player is him full last year, full court running corner to corner of the floor and, and getting a pass from a, a coach in transition, working his feet together to, to square up for, for a corner three. That's if you ever play basketball, that is so difficult to do. Not to mention really how tiring. Is, I know exactly. And really he, tiring. And he's not shooting all threes on the run when you're tired is really hard. Yeah. And and he he's great at last year, 40% from three for the season and almost nine attempts, mm-hmm. three point attempts per game. That's really good. 37% from above the break, 48% from the corner last year. Right. I didn't realize it was that high. Um but and he, he also, gave it all back at the other end. He he did, but I we're doing positives right now. All right. He 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 did a good job of also like creating some in those catch and shoot situations. Yes. He's not just a pure I'm shooting it here or passing it again. Right. Like he he generated a lot of offense when he caught the ball pumped and and then went as well. If you look at the 107 players who are the highest volume catch and shoot or spot up situation guys, um, he was fourth in the league in points per possession generated. Who's ahead of him? Marcus Morris, ah. Devontae Graham, and Joe Harris. And Morris and Harris were were that high because they shot 47.5% from three last year. Yeah. Devontae Graham, and both of them are great. I don't know. Devontae Graham. That's I, why he got all that money. But it was it was it was high volume. So yeah. I, I don't know. But I'm not a Devontae Graham fan, but maybe I just haven't watched him enough. Yeah. I he's one of the reasons I dock I watched I mean Doc New Orleans. I watched a lot of Charlotte last year. He didn't look that good, yeah. but I don't know. Right. In this situation, he he right. numbers say he did well. But I mean that that's what you know. That's what I you thought you knew you had from Malik. Right. Um he seemed a bit all over the place. I thought that was a baseline, and then we were just left to con- be concerned about what he's going to be defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, I mean, he we know he's got to be in shape. He's got to be mentally engaged to do all those things. Is Malik Beasley in shape and mentally engaged? I think that's right. a big question here. And can he escape the washing machine of, like, positions? I mean, uh, right. rotation numbers five through nine. Mm-hmm. I mean, does he have a role on an, a starting unit that fires on all cylinders? Where does he fit into that? I think he takes shots away, even though he's a great shooter, and even though his true shooting percentage is arguably going to be better than Ants and Delos, um, he still may disrupt some rhythm that he doesn't give back on defense at all. Meanwhile, if he's in the second unit, and D'Lo is the chosen starter off the bench. That is such a toxic defensive backcourt that I, you know, it, it means that Beverly has to be in the game. Um, there are problems, in such other words, uh, with what happens to him. And yet, it's kind of like what I was saying about D'Lo before. You know, you hate his shot selection. Next thing you know, he hits three in a row, and boom. There's something about somebody filling it up from deep that. Wolves, long-time viewers, and I'm one of the longest, 
We're just not used to remembering the benefits yep. of a guy hitting, going off from deep, changes a game just like that. And he's capable of that. And I just have to rely on Chris Finch to know his tendencies on hot hands and hopefully to disguise him on defense. He made um, – he's not taking the crazy angles he was taking. I think some of that has to do with scheme now. The scheme is a little bit more disciplined for him, uh, even though it's it promotes yeah. aggressiveness. Um, when he's the low man, he can't be taking those angles, for right. example. He's got specific assignments. If he can be uh, in the 30th percentile on defense, I'm okay with him getting regular minutes. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's been in the 30th percentile the two seasons or season and a half we've seen him. Only Wancho uh, was a worse defender on yeah. the on the Wolves statistically, and the eye test was perhaps worse. So I think an interesting part is that I think he only played like four games under Chris Finch he last did. year. That's what Finch told me. Right? Yeah. And which gave Finch an excuse to ignore the whole idea of him for a while. Yeah. And I, I don't think Chris Finch is putting as much into those numbers. I cited at the beginning. As right. I think Beasley's going to have to earn. Totally. Want to call it that. Although I was spot. surprised you had Beasley. He's had Beasley play like third most in minutes. I think a lot about maybe that's that just getting him in shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Torian Prince and Jake Lehman. Let's finish up on them. Torian right. Prince. Uh, I, People going in different directions. Yeah, right. But I, I think both actually in a pretty good uh, place physically and like mentally. Jake Lehman will, I say this. Of course we're I've said it once. Lehman. I've said it a bunch of, <laughs> I've said it once. I've said it a bunch of times. Jake Lehman will turn out to be a surprisingly productive player for another team. Yeah. Somebody is going to pick him up for a song and he's going to wind up being a ninth man. And somebody, a couple of people are going to get hurt. And he'll have like a month where he'll be a seventh man and play really well. He's played really well in the training camp yeah. time of yeah. preseason. That, Everybody's raved about him behind yeah. the scenes. Um, Torian Prince, I think everyone has started to rave about since actually having watched him. Yeah. I, there was, a, I think, a pretty real concern when that trade went down. That What Prince can he might, do? Yeah, it might just be a dud. Right. The the primary motivation of that trade at the time was that they were getting off five million dollars. Yes, going down from signing Bomero. That was the head of the the big Bomero boom. But yeah, Bomero opened up room to get Vanderbilt. Right, all those things. Like that's why they had to they cut Rubio's salary for Prince. I don't think they're planning on getting a a, a ton out of him necessarily. Right. Hopeful, and I think as we started getting tea leaves along the way of he got a surgery on his ankle. Um, that he sent that message and has continued to send that yeah. message. Anybody who talks about Torian Prince, out of town media, whatever, they've learned the ankle story. Right, right, you right. You know, right. Torian Prince says, don't pay any attention to my last two years because I couldn't play. Right. You know, and now I can play. And, and early signs what's cool are, is, yeah, yeah he's right. Seem like bullshit. You know? Yeah. And my favorite thing about Torian Prince, we have that vantage point. Uh, of sitting on media row right, especially in that first preseason game yeah. where there were way too many players. So everybody was kind of standing around. But you can get a vibe off players. Torian Prince has a lot of respect among his teammates. Whatever he says, does, the way he behaves. Cat was soliciting 
you know, mm-hmm. good vibes from him. D'Lo, the ostensible leaders of the team, had a side eye toward Prince's reaction toward and things. And Ant. And Ant, exactly, which is very big. You're right. Um, he just seems like the kind of guy that um, is a veteran regardless of how many years he has in the league. He just acts like somebody. Well, I think that's the that's the big thing. Like, Pat Bev is also a leader on this team, but right. he's like the OG. He's like 33. Right. You know right. what I mean? And, and right. you got you got Cat and D'Lo who are 25. So Torian being 27, I believe, right. he is older. Right. But he's not that much older. Right. You know what I mean? So there's right. a little bit more. that I, I totally get that sense. Well, I was sitting by you at the one game, but I, that's the sense I very much get too, that he is a leader, but also a like a leader amongst peers or, or something. Exactly. He's somebody that, that if all of a sudden he isn't a leader, isn't going to leave a hole. Hmm. But the fact that he is somebody, you go, oh, you know. It's the difference between Rubio. Rubio was in the Beverly thing. And right? Rubio also, if Rubio wasn't a leader, he was toast. Yeah. You know, that's what Rubio did after a while. Yeah, true. And so, and he knew it. Mm-hmm. And so Prince, it's all gravy. That's my point is if he doesn't do it, he still can be a stretch four guy who moves well without the ball, is very, very conversant and compatible with the kind of stuff Chris Finch wants to do at both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't been a Timberwolf is an easy way to say it. Right. You know, he hasn't had the disease. And so um, the fact that he's healthy and just ecstatic that he's healthy, the fact that he's on a team that doesn't have to cater to Trey Young and everybody else and be an afterthought. Um, and that he's pulling down $13 million. He's like the fifth highest player on the True. team. Uh, and so he's going to shoot between 35 and 40% from three, and he's going to be doing that, I would guess, and I'll probably look stupid at some point saying this, but I bet he makes – between 35 and 40% of his threes every month this season. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy I like that. I agree that, with that. that gets like 22% one one month and 47% the next. He's got a, a stroke uh, and a position, even more than the stroke. When he catches the ball for three, more often than not, he's open because he knows where to go, you know? And he's like, uh, he's, not, he's not Anthony Tolliver. It's not boomer bust if he can't hit threes. But he is a guy who uses the three a lot. My favorite stat on him when I was looking up, looking him up after he got traded, he has exactly as many two pointers as three pointers in terms of attempts for his career. <laughs> you know, which is an uh, interesting way to look at it. He's not a three point specialist, but he's a frequent three point shooter. I, I think he really is more of a three point specialist than his stats give off. Interesting in in just his his game and and and, and his ability. I think he took a a handful of hard threes, a large handful of hard threes in his career that I think mm. dips down his three-point percentage a little bit more. It's ironic. We were talking about Marcus Morris before. Right. But, like, Marcus Morris made 47.5% of his threes last yeah. year. Yeah. 47. And I don't think he can get there. I, I don't – I I mean, I, I'm not saying that either. But the reason Marcus Morris got that is because he's playing in the corners right. around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George pick and roll. Right. And and it's the opportunity and the consistency you're talking but about. Prince that. does seem more like a slot guy, doesn't he? Not really above the break, but he's a he's a yeah. he's not in the corner. 
Yeah, and I think more, you know, and I think Morris was was there too. I, I don't know right. exactly those splits are. I'm talking off the top of my head. That's right. But but I I want to say I will not be shocked if Torian Prince has like a 44% three-point shooting season. Okay. I and and you know, it'd be fun. It, it would be it would be fun. It's 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 not a I just think he's to my eye test for whatever it's worth. He is as good of a pure shooter at this that his team mm. has had um up, outside of cat. Uh-huh. But I probably since I've been watching the team. Well, and and again, that that speaks well I the other thing, I mean, we'll continue to heap good things apparently, but I do think that Well, we're both high on him. While I, I, undersized, I think he knows how to play defense. I mean, he moves his feet uh if he's overwhelmed, he's overwhelmed, and that happens, and he kind of concedes it. He's one of those guys. He's not Kevin Love, but if somebody's going to dunk, he's not going to break his arm on it. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it's like if he thinks he has a shot at somebody, he'll defend them. If he doesn't, he'll let them go. You know, and he just has a that's kind of to, he has a calm about himself very much. Which uh, then this is on learning an excitable all this. team. All three of the main guys have right. these kind of weird uh right. excitability factors. So yeah. All right, now the downside is he's not great. Well, you think he's a great potentially a great shooter, but I think he's I think he projects as a reliably slightly above average player, which is mm-hmm. exactly what he's getting paid to do. And the Wolves need more of those guys, you know. How is that a downside? Well, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a downside that um, um, can't think of one. Well, no, I think it's more than I got uh, a downside. What, what, I, I think what I'm goes- trying to say is I don't think if he um, his positives don't necessarily add value to the stars on the court. Okay, I think the spacing might. I think it'll be harder to double cat. Uh huh. Um, I just want him to not force drives in catch and shoot situations. Uh-huh. That's something that stood out to me when I watched his calf stuff. Right. I, I, for whatever that's worth, I don't right. know. I mean, he's playing in the calves. That's a very different right. thing. And I also think that he can be, he's tough to slot reliably in rotation. I mean, Finch will have to use him in terms of his versatility and I think if you're already having a um, mm-hmm. a jumbled rotation, having a guy who may or may not take your minutes that night um, might sure. not be great. Uh, this has been the wings. We're gonna um, do another episode. Are on, we done? On the bigs. We're done. I think we we got all. Yeah, all right. we did get all. We got all the wings. All right. Um, if you missed the guards episode, you can go back one in the feed for that. There's Britt and I doing. The, the same sort of thing going through D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly, Jordan McLaughlin, Leandro Balmoral, and Jalen Noel. And the next episode that will probably be in your feed at this time now that you're listening to this is the Britt and I talking about the picks. Carlton Towns, Jared Vanderbilt, Josh Kogi, Nas Reed, and Nathan Knight. So he's Britt. I'm Dane. Till then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.